Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. As you saw in the video, we have been talking about being one. Uh, we, if you didn't know, we have two campuses now, one in Bonnie Lake and one in Sumner. And so it's just been this kind of, kind of celebration, really, of let's just celebrate us being one church. One, one body in two different locations. And so we've been talking about what does it mean to be one body? What does it mean to have one spirit um, in two different cities, two different cultures, two different communities? If you've ever been to Sumner and Bonnie Lake, they are different. There is little differences, but they are different. And so it's just <clears throat> important to celebrate those, those differences. And so what's awesome, though, is that um, we have one hope. We're joined together by one hope, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is our one hope. And more importantly, if you're thinking about, so it's like, it's cool because we're bringing two churches to one, so we're now joined in the name of Open Life. Um, but really, if, even if we weren't joined with one name, because they are a church that preaches Jesus and Him crucified and ro- risen again, and us, that's how we find salvation, that means we are one body, we have one spirit, and we share the same hope. So whatever church that proclaims Jesus on a Sunday morning is we have that same hope with them. And so um, that's even more important, especially when you look at the events of this week in the Umpqua Community College school, shoot, or the school shooting. This message of being united under one hope is very important because we are joined with them as a body in the same spirit and with the same hope with people who gave their lives because they said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And so that's the gravity. That's like the deep, heavy stuff of what we're talking about today is it really means a lot when we have one hope and we're joined together as a body of believers. And so just think about, I mean, that's going to be a lot of what we're talking about is our one hope. And what does that mean? What does that mean to have a hope for our lives and for our future and how and the way that we live our lives each day. And so to go over the verses that we've been talking about, John 17, 22 through 23, this is Jesus talking and he says this, I have given them the glory you gave me. He's talking to disciples and he says, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus is talking to God and he's praying for the disciples saying, would the, would the disciples know me the way that Jesus and God know each other? Would we know Jesus that deeply and with such a unity that nothing would be able to split them apart? And so Paul explains it in Ephesians, in his letter to the Ephesians, he explains it, um, he 
exemplifies it and just says it clearly. And he says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, there is one spirit, and you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. You have been called to one glorious hope for the future. These have been the theme verses for our study of being one together. And so today we're talking about hope because it's the next step of being united and living in peace with one another and under the same spirit. And so when you live with hope, people take notice. When you live your life differently and you live with this new desire, a new thing of saying, you know, there's something more that I'm living for in my life people tend to notice. And so we read this verse in 1 Peter 3.15, and it should really challenge us because it says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you of your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. As a follower of Jesus, all we have is hope. It's like all we have, there's no like guarantee. Like we weren't there 2,000 years ago. There's, there's nothing that says, yes, guaranteed 100%. Like I was there, I saw it. But we have hope that this happened. We have hope that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what it says he did in the scripture. And that's our hope. And so a lot of times we, we don't want to explain it. We think, well, you know, this is, this is my personal decision. This is how I'm living my life. Or, you know, maybe we're just not brave enough. And when we're talking to other people, well, hey, just come to church with me. They'll explain it really well for you. You know, they'll explain it. Like, and that's what we try to do here. That We try to make this a place where people can come, have the message of Jesus explained to them in a clear and relevant way. And so if you do that, I'm not coming down on you for inviting your friends to church. That's what we want you to do. But it's important for you to personally know the hope that you have. So when people ask you, you're ready to explain it. And the cool thing, these, some of these conversations are really uncomfortable at times. But the cool thing about that is that they are just unique expressions of the hope that you have. If we all have the same hope, we all hold it a little differently because God made us different. He made us unique. And so each of our stories is different. And so what one person has is the hope of Jesus. Someone might not like find Jesus through that person, but they see this way that this other person holds the hope of Jesus. And they see that and they want, they want to engage with that because that is relevant to them. And so it's just a part of the mystery of choosing to follow Jesus is that we need to know that hope for ourselves so that we can be ready to explain it. That's our glorious hope for the future. And so the big idea today is one body plus one spirit equals one hope. Today's really the culmination of what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, is that we are being one body. We have the same one Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to look at that glorious hope. Because hope is what you need as being followers of Jesus. It's what you have already, but it's also what you desperately need. Hope is what you need in a split-second decision that could change your life. When or someone you, you or someone you love has a life-threatening situation or a sickness, that's when we need hope. When you're on your last dollar and you're a few days away from your paycheck, that's when you need hope. 
when your marriage is on the rocks and you can't communicate with one another, that's when you need hope. That's when you need the hope of Jesus. And so today's talk about hope is going to go directly into what we're talking about in the three weeks after today is fear. Fear of, of sickness, fear of things that are going on with our finances, and fear of just tough situations in our marriages. How do we deal with that? How does the hope of Jesus translate into getting rid of our worry so that we don't fear those hard situations in our lives and face them head on? So, but for today, hope is what you need, but it's also what other people desperately need. If you look at the gunman in this shooting, I just read a few things about him. And some of the three main points that I, that I read from it is that the glorious hope, I believe, can pierce a mindset that feels like just the world's out to get you. I believe the hope of Jesus gives us the contentment in our lives when maybe we haven't found a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or a spouse. And I believe the hope of Jesus can guide us and our families that are walking through mental illness. We don't like to talk about that a lot, but I believe the hope of Jesus has a crucial part in helping people live good lives and walking through tough situations. Yeah, a lot of us feel alone. A lot of us feel like the cards are stacked against us, but the hope of Jesus allows us to deal with those things, and so we don't let them manifest themselves in killing people. And that's an extreme version, but we all do things that are outside of what the character of Jesus wants us to be when we find ourselves in those tough situations. But when we know the hope of Jesus and when we can explain it for other people, then I believe we're walking a life that Jesus wants us to live. And we don't have to worry about the extreme things that might happen because we choose to give those extreme things to him. So what hope do we have we're going to look at three different kinds of hope today that we all have as followers of Jesus. And so the first one, our thought, thought number one is hope of salvation. And the entire Christian faith is based on this hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is that God loved us so much that he sent his son to earth. Jesus grew up, lived a perfect life, showing us how to live our lives well. He suffered a gruesome death, and in that act, he showed us how to die well when others don't know what they are doing. People didn't know what they were doing when they crucified Jesus, and he forgave them. So he teaches us how to die well, just like the people on Thursday died well by standing up and saying, yes, I follow Jesus. But where hope enters in is this, is that Jesus rose again. He rose again, and through that we have salvation Without hope, following Jesus means, none, means nothing. Without the hope of salvation, Jesus was just a really awesome guy that died on a cross. But since he rose again, we have this hope of salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. 
if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. Those are some strong statements from Paul. But people believe that. I believe that's what the gunman thought. You are pitied because you're falling into a joke. But our hope is in Christ. We know that the hope is working through us, and we know that it's true. But people pity us for believing these things. Jesus died and rose again to save us from our sins. So this brings us the hope that we can all be saved from our sins. That is hope. That is the hope of salvation in a nutshell. And so the early church was established on this fact that through faith alone in Jesus, all can find eternal life through him. The, the first disciples knew this, that it wasn't just because Jesus lived a good life and died on a cross as a martyr. That's, that's great. That's great that Jesus did that. But the fact that he rose again, that's where we find our hope. That's the big clincher in all of this. That means we have eternal life through Jesus. And so this is all the gospel, also called the good news, that we so often read about in Scripture. But salvation is sometimes such a Christian term. It's like, when else do you hear like salvation just thrown out there? But it's the only term that fits because salvation literally is being saved from your sins. And so salvation is the term that we have, and it's so important that we have this hope. And so sometimes we only want to find our hope to get us through today, or as the verse put it, only for this life. But that is only a trimmed down version of hope. Hope is not just for now, but it is to be seen in the light of eternity. The hope of salvation isn't just so that we can live our lives better today. The hope of salvation is that we get to live an eternal life with Jesus. And so we think of eternity as something that only happens later, usually when we die. We only think of it in that, like, eternity hasn't started yet because, you know, I haven't died. I don't know what the next step is. But what if we lived our lives with the understanding that eternity started for us the moment we chose to follow Jesus? What if we let that, like, just paradigm shift in our minds where, no, you know what? Eternity starts today. My one-year, five-year, or ten-year plans don't mean anything compared to the eternal plan that Christ has for me. My family, my friends, and for those that haven't even chosen to follow Jesus. Jesus' eternal plan for my life is so much more important than what I think I'm going to live my life. And so this understanding makes us realize that our decisions have weight for eternity, but it also should give us comfort knowing that Jesus is in this with us for the long haul. He's not going to bail out when we make missteps or make a misstep. As we exercise His grace and His Spirit working through us to guide us, we take each step down this long, wonderful journey of eternity. And so one of the challenges for today is how are you living your life in light of eternity? If you know that your eternal security is set, what else matters? What else really matters? Why not let the Spirit guide you to some awesome big dreams that are eternal decisions versus just, you know, what's going to get me through today? What's going to get me through the week? Oh, in a year I want to be here. What about the way Jesus looks at our lives? And he looks at us and says, I want to be with you for eternity. 
how do we make those kind of decisions? And it's only through the leading of the Spirit. And so when you think of the victims who stood up and said, yes, I'm a Christian, depending on, on your, where your hope lies, you are either going to think that these people were very foolish or you think that they inherited something that is priceless. That's the hope of Jesus. People, I, I guarantee you, because maybe the thought went through my mind a little bit. Well, would it be so bad if they said, no, I'm not a Christian? Because then they could live, and then God could work through their lives. I'm sure there's people reading these news stories and say, what idiots? Just tell them you're not a Christian. If God's so forgiving, he'll forgive them, and then they can live their lives. But that's the hope of Jesus, the hope of salvation is that, no, you stand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian. And if it means giving your life, then you do it. And that's faith that I haven't had the chance to exemplify yet. And I don't think you know it until you're in that situation, if you're going to be able to do it or not. But that's the work that we have to let God work in our spirits, to be able to walk through that and be able to know that, yes, if that happened, I would not deny Jesus. And that's very serious. And so the thought number two is the next hope we have is the hope of Jesus' return. The disciples built the hope of Jesus' return as heavy as Jesus built the hope of his resurrection. When Jesus lived his life, he constantly was telling them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. He didn't say that clearly, but he said multiple times, he was telling them, I'm going to return. I'm going to, like, this is going to happen. And so when he finally did come back, and the disciples are celebrating, and then Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples knew he was going to return. And so they were going with it as heavy as Jesus was going with it. You guys, Jesus is returning. Let's live our lives differently. Let's live in expectancy for the return of Jesus. And so to help explain this, there was this story in the News Tribune um, about a month ago, and it was talking about this new newlywed couple. Their names were Chris and Manette Sills. And at the end of July, they were married, and they were celebrating um, out on the docks down at, in Tacoma on the waterfront of Puget Sound. And so, as I don't know, when I got married, it was new to wear a ring. And so they were on the dock, just kind of like, hey, look at like this, like just slips off really easy. And sure enough, the, um, the bride, she does this, and it falls into the water. They, they had just gotten married. And it was, it was like, one, that's like, you know, if you're superstitious, like, good luck with that, you know? Uh, and so there's just this frantic, like, okay, what do we do? Like, I don't know. Like, I would, I would just do that. I would just walk away. I was like, I, I can't handle this, you know? Let's just use the string, you know? But so what they did is the next morning, they went to go see if they could get, like, look at low tide. So it actually wasn't very low, and so they weren't able to look. And so they were almost feeling helpless until they, someone told them, well, you should go on this like, online forum of treasure hunters because they're always in the area looking for stuff, and maybe you could hire them or just ask them to help you find some stuff. So the husband emails um, this guy's name's Brian Faraday, and he says, yeah, I would love to help. Let's, like, let's try and find this. And so they went out, and they looked, but he couldn't find it. And so this guy, he's like, well, no, I, I know the real finder. 
And so he referred them to this guy named Tom Evanson. And so through the conversation, so this is just still within like the week of her dropping the ring into the water. And so this guy, Tom, he says, well, the lowest tides are in the summer are like coming in a few days, July 30th and the 31st. So let's, let's go look there. I ha- I'll bring all my gear out. So he looks the first day, can't find anything. And so it's really funny when you read this story because he's like, well, tomorrow I'll find it. And it's like, oh, okay, it sounds, like, sounds good. You know, I'm not really doing anything else. Like, what would you say? So he goes the next day. Sure enough, the guy describes the ring to him, and he finds the exact ring under four inches of sand. And so it's just like, talk about a needle and a haystack. And the guy finds the ring. And so when you read the article, it's so cool because they're just like, we didn't have any money. We spent it all on the ring itself and the wedding and like the honeymoon. It's like, we didn't have any money to give him. So they ended up giving him $200. And one of the cool thing was, is they said that usually when we find stuff, we don't have the opportunity to find the true owners of it. And so there's, you read, and there's just this grateful exuberance and joy of finding what was what was gone and what was lost. And so it's the same way when something you cherish is gone, you eagerly await for its return. I imagine this bride was just sitting there like, man, I really hope that they find this ring. I really, like, it's a very nice ring, you know, a bunch of diamonds. I, I really hope they find it. And it's in the same way that we kind of eagerly wait for the return of Jesus, is that we don't know the time or the hour but we eagerly await his return. Like, we are excited for it. Like, the cool thing about this, though, is not, we're not dependent on some searcher with a metal detector searching in the sand to tell us if Jesus is returning. It's like we have the hope of Jesus' return. We know the way that he lived his life, and so we have hope, and we eagerly await his return. Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment— So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly waiting for him. Who are eagerly waiting for him. And so, if you've been following the news, Jesus didn't come last week, like a lot of people might have been saying. Let's just say there's a reason we didn't shout that from the pulpit because we're still here. So congratulations, everyone. But so maybe someone said something or someone in your family said something, and you think because the Pope and the President of China were in America last week that that meant Jesus was coming too. And so we're all here today, so he didn't come. And so um, as of today, Jesus didn't return, but we eagerly await for the return of Jesus, not to burden people, with worry about the end times, but to encourage people with the hope of eternity. We don't burden people with Jesus' return. We get excited for it. We eagerly await for it. And it's really a fool's errand to participate in the speculation of dates and times of Jesus' return. That being said, every day is a good day to be ready. Every day is a day to wake up and be excited about the return of Jesus. To sit up and say, man, today could be the day. Am I ready? God, work through me. 
Show me how to make eternal decisions for the future. Paul's attitude says it best in Philippians 1, 21 through 27. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful works for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience this joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. That's Paul's attitude. You know, we talked about Paul's letter a few weeks ago to the Philippians, but again, he's writing this in prison. His life is in danger. And it's just crazy to me to think of him just lifting his hands and writing in a letter, well, I'm torn between waiting to be with Jesus or staying on this earth to encourage you. But that's the attitude that Paul has, and it's the attitude that we need to kind of figure out how we can have it for our lives, is how can we be torn between two things, of wanting to be with Jesus, but also wanting to encourage others that are learning to walk in the faith or haven't learned to walk in the faith. Hebrews 13, 14 through 16 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are sacrifices that please God. This is what the disciples lived and died for. The return of Jesus. They had experienced Jesus once, and they are eagerly awaiting for him to come back. And so this should be what we yearn for. We have to realize that the minute we chose to follow Jesus, we are no longer citizens of the United States. We are no longer Republicans or Democrats. No, we are citizens in heaven, and that should guide each and every one of our steps, each one of our decisions, each one of our eternal decisions. So we have this hope of salvation, this hope of Jesus' return, but how does our longing for Jesus directly impact the way that we live today? And so this is thought number three, is that we have a hope for today. We have a hope for the way that we live. What good is the hope that doesn't get us excited for eternity? What good is the hope in Jesus if we're not excited for this eternal life that we get to live with him? In the same way, what good is an eternal hope if it doesn't help us in the way that we live today? Our hope is Jesus, and when we follow him and take steps to pursue being more and more like him, I believe that today is changed in us. Like when we choose to make just decisions, like think about the decisions you made yesterday. Did you make them with the understanding of an eternal life with Jesus? I believe that if we go out from today and make just a conscious decision. You know what, God, what do you want me to do today that will have an eternal impact? Or tomorrow when we live our lives. That in a week from now, we've changed the trajectory of our lives than if we were just making decisions for ourselves. 
Think about in a year from now, if we've chosen to let the Spirit guide us and we make those eternal decisions, where will you be in a year from now versus if you just made your normal decisions every day for the next year? What about 10 years? What about in 50 years? We don't know, but hopefully in 50 years, if some of us has gone, we're living in eternity with Jesus and the rest of us that are still here on earth are still walking and making those eternal decisions. And that's how you impact the kingdom of God. And so it's all about being anchored in him. And just like I said, the hope of Jesus doesn't guarantee like what we call worldly success. It doesn't mean everything's going to be nice and rosy. In fact, there's going to be hardships that come along the way. But I believe the hope of Jesus is the best tool in guiding us and shaping us through those hardships. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20 says this, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. Jesus is the anchor for our every moment. Now, if you know about anchors, they go to the bottom, but then that doesn't mean you like move around. Sometimes it pulls more. Sometimes you reach the end of the anchor. But the thing I know about Jesus' anchor is that it's not going to break if you choose to put effort into that. And so you might get stretched thin. You might be put in uncomfortable circumstances. But the promises of God, when we choose to live our lives that way, He'll fulfill. He's not going to bail on you when you choose to put all of your trust and all of your hope into Him. And that's the hope when we choose. That's, that's the only way to experience the hope of Jesus is to give everything to him. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do today. Today's action point is to live with hope. Whatever that means for you, live with hope. So we, I've talked a lot about making those decisions, eternal decisions. We talked a lot about the shooting on Thursday that happened. Maybe that's just wrecking you. Like you're like, I don't know if I could do that in that situation. That's what prayer is for. That's what this time of reflection, we're going to do communion. And all of that is a symbol of us saying, Jesus, I choose to remember the sacrifice that you did. You gave of your blood, you gave of your body, and you rose again. And that's where I get all of the last 35 minutes that we've been talking, is I get that hope. I get that future, and I'm ready to live with hope. So some questions is, what do you need hope for today? What do you need to do to anchor yourself to him? What are decisions you need to make that would anchor you closer to Jesus? Sometimes hope comes in packages that are very ugly. Sometimes we're walking through stuff and we, we have no hope. But that's when the hope of Jesus is most crucial, most satisfying a lot of times. 
is when you can look at the situation you walk through and you can say, how did I do that? How did I walk through that? And you know it was Jesus walking with you. That's the hope of Jesus. I was thinking really hard about the, the shooting on Thursday and I was reading about the way the early church viewed violence. And I came across this quote from, uh, his name's Justin Martyr. And he said this, he said, we who formerly used to murder one another do not only know, do not only now refrain from making war upon our enemies, but also that we may not lie nor deceive our examiners, willingly die confessing Christ. We, re- we willingly die confessing Christ. And when I think about the decision that those people made, I'm challenged to think about my hope for the future. To think about that glorious hope for the future that Paul tells us we have. As one body with one spirit, we have one glorious hope. And so we're going to pray. And after that, I'd encourage you, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, the scriptures tells us that the, the communion is a symbolic act that we do on a regular basis just to remember, yes, Jesus, I identify with you and I remember your sacrifice. And so if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, there is no pressure, there's no burden on you to do this. And so we just want you to offer this opportunity for those who have chosen to follow Jesus that they would remember the sacrifice that he made for us to give us hope, that eternal hope for the future, for salvation, and for Jesus' return. And so there's a lot to ponder today. So as you do communion, you come back, worship, pray, think about your decisions, think about what God is working through you. And if you want, you can put a prayer request on the connection card or communicate maybe a next step that you feel God telling us. We'd love to hear those stories and connect with you throughout the week if you so choose. So let's pray. God, we just come before you and we just say thank you for this glorious hope that we do have. Thank you for your sacrifice, for offering up your life, your perfect life to die for us. And and more importantly, that you came to life, rose again, and through that we have salvation. God, we just give you thanks and we give you praise for that. God, I pray for just decisions being made today, God. Lord, would they be eternal decisions that would not only affect eternity for the people in here, but would affect the eternity for a community, for families, God, for just people that we come in contact with in our jobs, God. I pray, Lord, that eternal decisions would be made for people here, God, but would it just spread like wildfire to people that want to know the hope and are asking for explanations, God. So as we take the bread, as we take the juice, God, let us remember your sacrifice. And as we leave this place, let our lives be marked by your love, by your hope, and by your purpose for our lives, God. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. 
Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.